0: Hi there and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode we have a homily for Sunday, February 27th, 2022 in which we celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration of Jesus. Let's begin with a reading from Luke's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now about eight days after these sayings, Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, A cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then, from the cloud, came a voice that said, This is my Son, my Chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody, and welcome back. It's hard to believe that it's the last Sunday in February. It seems like Christmas was only a couple of weeks ago, and next Sunday is already the first Sunday in Lent. But before we say goodbye to the season of Incarnation and Epiphany, I would like us to consider the theme just a little bit longer, even for just one more Sunday. Not long ago I mentioned that our Bible readings for Sunday are determined by a three-year cycle called a lectionary. Sometimes, the connection between those readings is much more obvious than it is at other times. The readings for this morning are a great example of when things work well together and we have an obvious connection between the readings. In our reading from the Hebrew Scripture, we read about Moses climbing Mount Sinai where he met God in a cloud and received the Ten Commandments. When he returned from his encounter with God, we're told that Moses' face shone. In our reading from Luke's Gospel, we hear about Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. As Jesus prayed, his face began to shine just like Moses had. Peter, James, and John would have been very familiar with the story of Moses. When they saw Jesus' face change while he prayed on a mountainside, the connection between Jesus and Moses would have been automatic. While there, the disciples see Jesus speaking with two of Israel's most revered leaders, Moses and Elijah. Up until that point, these disciples had come to see Jesus as an important religious leader maybe even a prophet or some kind of miracle worker. Peter had even proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, but there was some debate about what he meant by that. As Jesus spoke with Moses and Elijah, the disciples' view of Jesus would have risen exponentially. Peter's response was actually quite natural. He wanted to preserve the moment by building a dwelling for Jesus one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Then something changed, something big. They heard God's voice coming from a cloud just like Moses had, and just like they had heard at Jesus' baptism. The voice told them that Jesus was God's son and that they should obey him. Now that's a pretty earth-shattering revelation. Luke tells us, that the three disciples responded in stunned silence. Even the impulsive Peter went quiet. Paul's letter to the Corinthians helps us unpack what this all meant. Paul writes that those with faith in Christ are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. In the person of Jesus Christ, The presence of God is no longer veiled, nor is it simply reflected like it was in the shine on the face of Moses. In the person of Jesus Christ, God walks among us. But what does that mean to us practically? These stories about Moses and Jesus on a mountaintop are all terrific stories, but what is the practical application? Well, context is always important, and this is no different. Throughout the history of ancient Israel, people encountered God on mountaintops. Noah, Abraham and his son Isaac, Moses, and Elijah all had significant encounters with God on mountaintops. So, when Jesus told Peter and James and John that they were going to pray on a mountaintop, they would have expected something significant. Jesus refused Peter's efforts to construct a building on the mountain. Rather. After being declared to be the Son of God, Jesus took the disciples back down the mountain and went back to work. That act of descending the mountain to heal the sick and dying, to offer pardon, and to teach people new ways to engage with God, that is the very image of incarnation at work. It's the act of incarnation that would lead Jesus from the mountaintop to the cross. This is the kind of thing that we mean when we talk about Incarnation. Clarifying our understanding of Incarnation and what it means for God to walk among us is essential to our understanding of the Christian faith in general, and particularly so as we prepare to embark on our journey through Lent. In the person of Jesus Christ, God does not simply come down from the mountain for you and I, although that is part of it. In the person of Jesus Christ, we are each drawn into this story of incarnation as well. It's like a two-step process. Jesus brings God to us and then invites us to do likewise, bringing God's love and compassion to other people. It happens in church through scripture, through preaching and through the sacraments. But it doesn't only happen in church incarnation means god is on the move and is not limited to one place like a church building i hope that this is one of the big lessons that we've learned during the last two years of covid our experience of god is not confined to a church building god invites each of us to participate by engaging compassionately with people all over our community like many things we are challenged to consider the practical application of this text in at least two ways. The first application is in our personal lives. As people of faith, this text invites us to consider how we descend that mountain, in a proverbial sense, and become partners in Christ's ministry of healing and compassion. How do we live out our baptismal vows in our daily lives, using our gifts to honor God and other people. The second application is a bit more general in that it begs some of the same questions on a larger scale. Do we, as a community of faithful people, make plans to reach out into our neighborhood in the year ahead? When we've completed a project or task, do we evaluate how it went and work to improve upon it for the future? Furthermore as a community of faith, how do we incorporate the gifts of the individual members of our community into the mission of the entire faith community? Are individual members of the faith community encouraged to explore new roles in an effort to respond to God's work in their lives and in the community? These are all ways that we can learn from the story of Jesus' transfiguration and find ways to apply it to our lives, both individually and as a community of faith. Let's pray. God of glory, you gave the vision of your transfigured son to those who watched on the mountaintop. Grant that by our glimpses of him, we may be changed into his glorious likeness for he is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.